Hey guys, Michael here with Wedding Videography School. If you're looking for a solid and reliable contract that you can feel good about sending to your clients, look no further than the WVS contract, crafted by a licensed attorney in the state of Colorado. It might just be the best contract for wedding videographers in all of North America, or even maybe the world. Uh, hard to know. Regardless, if you're unsure of whether the contract you're using right now is good enough, go to WeddingVideographySchool.com right now, enter the password podcast, and start protecting yourself and your business today. Hey guys, Michael here with WeddingVideographySchool.com. Hope you guys are having a great week. I know I am. Uh, it's been a super busy week, actually. A lot going on in my life and in my business. And uh, actually, this last week was just totally... It was definitely the most insane week that I've had as far as weddings go. I did three in the last week, and um, all of them were out of town, and there's a lot of traveling involved, and... Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting th through the next couple months or so and waiting for things to cool off just a bit. Uh, I don't mind working hard, but you know, there's a few weeks out of the year usually where it's just, uh, it's really draining. So looking to get through those, um, yeah, I got a great show for you today, so I don't want to bore you with any business. We're, we're going to get straight into it. Uh, today on the show, I'm talking with Paul Santiago of Bafo Video. He's a, uh, he's a videographer and a business owner in, uh, I, he's pretty close to Anaheim, California, so just a little, just a little ways out of uh, Los Angeles. And this guy uh, got in touch with me a while back, and we've had some conversations. And he's just a, uh, a really good, genuine dude um, who loves to share his knowledge with people. And so I know he's going to be a great resource uh, for videographers going forward. And I'm excited to be talking to him because he's got a lot of uh, great advice, wisdom, knowledge, and experience to share with us today. So without further ado, Let's get right into it. Hey, Paul, thanks for joining me today, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, hang out and, and chat a little bit. Thanks for having me here. Really appreciate it, too. So I want to jump in right off the bat. Uh, you and I had an awesome conversation uh, a, a couple weeks ago, and I said to you, you know, I got to get you on the podcast. And I actually, I wish we, I had just recorded our initial conversation because there was so much good stuff in there. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, I, I kind of want to just jump in and ask you a couple questions just right off the top. And I think, I think my favorite question to ask people, uh, cause it's always a different answer is how did you get into, uh, wedding videography? What led you into the industry? Okay, so it's a really long story, but I'm going to try to cut it short. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Yeah, it's a really long story. It, it took like it, probably eight years to for me to be able to get here. But so basically, I, I was in college, and we were taking up advertising. And school for me is has always been a challenge. So when we did this advertising class, the professor said, okay, I need you guys to make a commercial 
for these products that you're going to try to sell. And so we did, and I had so much fun. And I'm like, you know what? I think I want to do this for a living, like just doing these stupid videos and, you know, just making videos. And so I, my girlfriend at that time, she told me, you know what? I have a friend who is an up and coming um, animator. And you should talk to him because he knows a lot of people in the industry and stuff like that. So we met and he told me, you know, if there's anything I should tell you, because I told him I wanted to be a film director for some strange reason, me without any background of film. I'm like, I want to be a film director. So he said, you know what, you should try to edit first, try to learn to edit first, because um, video editors, they don't really like film directors who don't know how to edit. And I like, I'm like, oh, you know what? It makes so much sense. Okay, I'll, I'm going to give it a shot. So he's like, okay, meet me tomorrow at my house. I'm going to teach you the whole day because I'm free the whole day tomorrow. So we go to his house. He opened Final Cut and we, we started. And the next day he said, okay, I got a gig for you at MTV. And I'm like, wait a minute. I have no idea how to edit yet. Like you just taught me in one day. So he's like, you know, the best way to learn is to throw people in the fire. So that's exactly what he did. He just threw me in and I was on the phone with him from probably 11 at night to three in the morning. We were just, we were just talking. Like he was telling me how to cut, how to paste, how to do this transition. And it was Final Cut Pro. I think it was before seven. So it was like a really old video editing software, but so, so I was going through that and it kind of like traumatized me. I'm like, first of all, I'm not a morning person. Oh, I, so first of all, I am a morning person. So coming in at 11 at night and going home at six in the morning, it's kind of like not my cup of tea. So that's that. Initially, that threw me off and turned me off. And then, you know, all of these things that need to be rushed and no one says thank you. I'm like, this is terrible. I don't like this life. So <laughs> so I told him, you know, um, maybe we could do something else. Maybe we could do like just teach me animation because with animation, I have my Mac at home and I could just do it there. Like it's easier. I can do it on my own time. So he taught me animation and then eventually I got gigs, um, working for, uh, broadcast stations like TV channels. And I, I used to edit for this car show. Um, it's like a TV show about cars and I learned how to edit really fast because the episode has to be aired the next day and we have so much footage and back then it was it was tapes so we have to capture the tapes and go through all of this sd footage and it was terrible and you know it, so i learned how to edit really fast and then i'm like when when the season was over i needed to look for work and i found out that this one company was looking for a video editor for their wedding videos. And then I started doing that. And then I fell in love because I'm like, 
my god i could do it i could do it on my own time everyone looks good everyone's smiling all the time and then afterwards when they get the finished product because the the owner he sends me the email of the couples when they get the finished product and they're so happy and they're so so glad and appreciative and i'm like i think this is what i want to do <laughs> like um it's not as glamorous as being like on tv or film but it's very satisfying so i i think i i fell in love that was the moment i fell in love with it yeah i think uh you know when you've worked in a job where you don't feel appreciated or you've worked in a job where um maybe you don't have any creative control um or you know like you said you know when the couples send you an email i and i think this is true for me most of the time is when i get an email back from a couple it's almost always positive um you know sometimes i get an email back and they want some revisions or whatever but for the most part um i i get to edit my work and then move on to the next one um because everybody's just so happy so uh, I, I do think that's one of the one of the benefits of being in this industry. Um, but I think it's only it only that only works for the people who are good. You know, um, yeah. I don't think you can go out there and make a crappy video and uh, <laughs> and have a excited couple at the end of the process. But uh, so, yeah, I think that that definitely speaks to you and and you know, you're, you're a quality dude. So tell me a little bit about where you're at now in your career and, um, where you hope to go in the future. So I started Buffalo video, my company in 2010, and we did about, <clears throat> excuse me, we did one wedding that year, but to be fair, it was in October. So there was no way that we could get more than one. Um, and so we started with one wedding and now um, at the end of this year, we're, we're pretty much going to hit the 500 mark. So in eight years, we've done 500 weddings. And I grew my team of just two people to 13. We have, so we have um, six full-time <clears throat> excuse me so we have six full-time editors and um the rest are oh well actually six full-time editors and then they are also um shooters on weekends and then we have um a pool of videographers too some of them have full-time jobs and some of them just work with us so yeah we grew we grew our team we grew the business eight years and now we, um, fortunately for us, we were so, I was so lucky to be approached by Canon to talk about their CineLenses. And at first I'm like, wait, I don't really use CineLenses. So I told them, you know what, can I use the CineLenses first? And then they had me use it. And I'm like, this is, this has potential. So I must, I probably should give them a review. And then from there, uh, I was able to speak in WPPI in Vegas this year. And to, I, I, to those who don't know what WPPI is, it's um, 
wedding photographers and videographers convention. It's one of the largest ones in the U.S. So I had the honor of speaking there and I kind of like fell in love with speaking. So now I think the direction we're heading to is um, more of the education platform to help videographers or business owners to start their um, their business like the right way. I think that's that's what we're heading towards. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I um, the the thing that I love so much about your story is basically going from you know you by yourself pretty much shooting a wedding to now you've got six editors and a bunch of uh, shooters working for you. Um, and these are, when you say they're full time, does that mean they're employees or they're contractors? They're, they're contractors. Okay. But they pretty much, they pretty much work. So yeah, I, I get it. You've got enough work for them basically to just work for you full time as contractors. Yes. Uh, I think that's an important distinction to make because a lot of people out there might be wanting to hire on somebody to help them grow their business. But it, it can be pretty daunting when you got to think about a payroll or uh, providing uh, health benefits to your employees. Um, but if you guys get contractors, then they're basically freelancers who you don't have to provide all that stuff to. So if you're looking to grow your yeah. business, uh, contractors are probably the way to go. Um, talk to your local attorney or whoever you trust to help you make that decision. But in general, I think contractors are definitely the way to go. So, and this is the, the you know, I, I love your story too, because and I, I think that's like the most interesting part to me is how you've grown your business. So let's talk a, a little bit about how you uh, got contractors um, and how you found those people. And, you know, for me, I know that uh, I'm actually looking for a couple contractors to come work for me. So I'm trying to figure out the process that I need to go through. So I'd love to hear about, about how you went about finding uh, great people that you could trust to go out and shoot and edit for you. So my first guy is um, Jean and he we, we knew each other ever since he was a baby. And then he moved to Humboldt County. And then we haven't seen him in, I think he moved to Humboldt County when he was 11. And then we saw each other again in 2008. And he was probably like 18 years old back then. And then I, I saw him, his interest in taking photos was, amazing to me because he had no idea what he was doing but then he was still taking photos and I'm like hey you know what maybe you want to go with me to weddings because I need someone to carry stuff for me I, I told him maybe you want to go go with me to weddings and you can take a little bit of photos there but carry the bags for me I can't pay you but there's food and he's like instantly he's like okay I'll do it so I I guess my point is with, with Jean, I was fortunate enough to find someone that I can trust and I know already. Like the, the, the first few people in your company has to be people that 
you know. And then, because with him, he had friends, and I had friends, and we're like, hey, do you wanna do you wanna edit on the side, or do you wanna shoot on the side with us? And then eventually, we built a team that turned out to be just all friends. So we all became friends, and which is crazy because we're together 24-7 pretty much, like just working at the office every day. And then we're together on weekends too, every time. Like it's just us. And then we eventually became friends and we hang out after. So we're just together all the time. So all these guys, I think the most important thing is you need to find people with the same same wavelength as you who who share the same opinions as you i mean not in not in all aspects but like at least goals and where you want the company to to go so whenever you're looking for people it has to be the same style and the same taste because taste is so important when it comes to when it comes to being creative, like you can't hire someone who's not as creative as you, because like we, with me and John, we challenge each other all the time. Like he's my right hand guy now, and he's probably better than me with filming. And that's okay because every weekend we come back and we're like sharing all our footage. And I'm like, I did this and he did this. And it's just, it's very competitive, like a very healthy competition. So, so so me, my advice for people who are looking to get contractors and second shooters is to look for someone with the same, pretty much the same um, taste as you. But then eventually when you grow, hire someone who's professional enough to be in that mix. Because, you know, when whenever you guys are all friends, there's always like a thin line when it comes to that. Like you, I'm the boss, but outside of the office or friends, you know, it's it's really hard to distinguish. So if you hire someone who's there and is very professional, then you get to the line become becomes bigger and everyone falls into roles that they appreciate. And so, I feel like you, so so just to sum up what I was saying when you hire the first few times you hire it has to be like friends and people with the same taste and then eventually you just make sure that you hire like professional ones because it's it's really going to change the way the company dynamics will happen you know it's it's just going to change the way the dynamics is for everyone does that make sense yeah totally and you know, I I actually had a job a long time ago that I never talk about. Is um, I I never bring it up because <laughs> it's just like a such a weird long story. I uh one of I think only like a couple people who I know know this story, and I won't ever probably get into it on this podcast. But I I was in a uh a work situation where my best friend that I grew up with. Um, he was my boss. Um, and it, well, needless to say, we're not friends anymore. So those situations can definitely be tricky. Um, and so, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I definitely, I know what you mean when you say it's a thin line between 
work and friendship. Um, yeah. And hopefully if you are, you know, going into business or bringing somebody on who's a friend or who you have a prior relationship with, um, hopefully you guys are both, everybody in this situation is mature enough to handle that um, and yeah. understand, you know, what the line is and where, where work begins and friendship, you know, ends and or begins or what however you want to phrase that um because yeah it can be it can be tr pretty tricky and as a general rule for myself um you know i've got another friend who i've been friends with for over 10 years and you know he's like a brother to me and i've thought about starting a couple of different businesses with him but i've realized that he's not really uh cut out for that and mm. i'm not really risk i don't really want to risk that friendship right so yeah um now that i have other people other friends who are i'm not like super close with like i'm friends with them but i'm not super close to them so if something were to happen it's like i might be willing to take a risk with those people you know so you kind of got to yeah. evaluate that kind of situation but overall i think i think that's great advice it's it's so much easier to start with people that you know than it is to just go out and find strangers. Um, what? So, think, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I think it's just it, it's important to know that Jean and I Jean and I have a ten year gap. Like I'm ten years older than him, so automatically I'm the big brother. And when he when he started out when he was eighteen. It was easier to just grab his hand and lead and like, okay, we're going this direction because he's, he's younger and, you know, it's easier for me to, when we started, I knew more than he did. So it was easier for me like to teach him all of these things because he was just absorbing everything. So for me, whenever you get <laughs> the best way, the best way to test a friendship is to get in business together. <laughs> but most of the time that doesn't really work out. So, so for me, just be being able to, I mean, uh, if, if ever you are going to get into a business with a friend or hiring a friend, it's easier if you're not the same age, I think. Cause I, I used to have one guy with me who worked with us and we were pretty much the same age and it was really hard to, tell him what to do because at my age, I'm turning 38 this year. So at my age, it's really hard. For, there are people who are like set in their ways. So it's really hard to, to teach people, you know, sometimes they tell, they say, oh, you can always teach an old dog new tricks, but some, some old dogs really don't like to, <laughs> To be taught anything so that, that i think that's my point is whenever you are going to get into something with a friend it has to there has to be like a certain automatic respect like you know if you have a older brother you automatically have that respect for that person and just make sure your older brother knows how to go into business because if he parties more than you do and you're younger then there's something wrong with it <laughs> yeah man i think that age <laughs> distinction especially is it's <clears throat> that's a that's a really good point um so let's talk about kind of you know once you've got some people that you found that you want to send out and work for you uh i know for me 
my biggest challenge and part of the reason it's taken me so long to even put a call out to people uh, to come work for me is I have a hard time letting go, right? Because uh, in yeah. my mind, I've built this business. I've worked my ass off for the last eight years to like always have positive reviews, not have any negative reviews. Like I've put all, all of my time and effort into this. And the idea of like just handing someone like the keys or maybe not the keys yet, but like giving them the keys to my car to go down and pick up my dry cleaning, you know, <laughs> that's not, yeah. not like literally, but like figuratively <laughs> speaking, the idea of sending somebody out, it's hard. It's hard to like, let go and trust that that person's not going to screw something up or, you know, maybe get a bad review from a couple or go to a wedding and eat all the hors d'oeuvres or something. I don't, like, I don't know. Uh, so I, how do you deal with that? Uh, I don't have, I don't know if that's something that was hard for you to do dealing with that, like the letting go process. Um, but maybe you have some advice for me. Okay. Well, the thing is just like what I said earlier, the first thing that you need to, take into consideration when you hire someone is you have to share the same taste because when you share the same taste, that means you pretty much have the same almost kind of style and like what, what you really want to capture. Do you want to stage everything or do you want to just do candidates? Like that, that alone is going to dictate the footage that you're going to get back. Right. But for me also, you have, to share the same love for the company. Like with me and Jean, we got into our roles. He, he knows that I'm, I'm the owner and then he's my second right hand guy. And you know, it's funny because whenever we, sometimes when we, whenever we go into meetings, like we, we have an internal team meeting and like we try to meet every two weeks and we talk about like shooting style, the, the editors, we ask the editors, like, what do we need to improve on, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it gets emotional and we both get, like, teary-eyed. And then I say, you know, I see this guy. My God, he, he loves my company. This is mine, but he acts like it's his, too. So I'm fortunate enough to have someone like that on my team, which makes me feel very comfortable to give control to him and for me to just let go because i i think the the most important thing also is you should hire someone who's better than you because if you don't think this person that you're releasing into the wild to meet your clients is not as good as you then chances are you're not going to be happy with the footage right so yeah i i if you have to you have to the the best way to release control let go of control is to find someone who shares the same love for the company as you who knows that you're the boss who who's professional enough to say okay i'm going to do what he wants and i'm going to give him 100% and yeah, they just have to be it if finding someone who's better than you 
for me, I feel like if he charges more, but he's way better, that's going to be so good for my company. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that any day instead of me like thinking at a shoot, for example, like if you do, if you have two weddings on that same day and you're shooting one and you release someone who you don't really trust, I, I can almost guarantee you all you're going to think about is, are they already at the venue? Is he doing the bridal prep right? Are they shooting the details right? Did they hook up the audio properly? But if you have someone who is already better than you and who knows everything, who has all the equipment and the same love for the company, it's easier. It's, it's just so much easier. Like if you have, it's kind of like um, when you have a baby and you have two options, like you're going to give, you, you, you need your baby to be, to, you need someone to babysit your baby. And your choices are your friend who's always partying and always drunk and always stupid, or this stranger who works at, at a daycare center. Like, you know, I would probably just give it to the daycare center and pay more than handing it to my buddy who I don't really trust as a kid. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like you, you have to just make sure that you get someone who's professional enough and better than you to be able to let go of control because, yeah. How I'm sure everybody's wondering, like, how how have you found these people? Like, it, I, like what's been your method for attracting these kinds of people to your business? So just like what I said earlier, they they were friends, friends of friends. Like me and John, we had friends from school and then we invited them over and then they had friends. So it was just like a party inside the office because we're all friends. And then eventually I went onto Craigslist and looked for people because I'm like, some of them were still in school, so they couldn't do like full time. So I went onto Craigslist and looked for people. I had a few bad apples, but the ones I got, they're still with me. And it's been like five years or four years. And yeah, it's just whenever you do the interview, whenever I do the interview, I try to be as professional enough, but knowing me, they, they know me already. I just like to crack jokes and see that's how I gauge the person. Like whenever I joke about something and they don't laugh, I'm like, hmm, I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> so usually that's, that's how it goes. So now everyone in the, in the office or when we're at, on the field, we have the same wavelength. It's just easier to like talk to each other and you're not going to be worried that someone's going to get offended or someone's going to get bummed, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, that's... I, we, we got friends. So yeah, to all of Paul's future, uh, employees out there, you better, uh, you better laugh at his jokes. Otherwise he's not going to hire you. <laughs> so, yeah. so let's, let's talk about something that I, I'm a big proponent of, uh, in terms of, I, I just think it's so important that people get this down and figure out what's, what works for them. And that's workflow. Dude, what's, what's your workflow look like? Um, you know, when you guys, obviously you go out, you shoot the wedding, but what happens after that? Like, how are you 
you know, make, making sure you're delivering your videos on time and not becoming just overwhelmed with all the work that goes into this. So when, but just to give you a quick backstory, when me and Jean started the company, we had an office and whenever you walked into the office, the first thing you're going to see is the reception area where the TV is and we have couches where we could have invite the couples over and we could watch the videos with them. And then there's a back office. As soon as you walk into the back office, it looked like it's been hit with a hurricane. Like paper was all over the floor. We have coffee spills and sugar, whatever on the floor. So when when I asked my wife to join me um, a few years after, she cleaned everything up. She's like, okay, no, not literally, but she told us, you, need, you guys need to pick that up and move it somewhere here. And so she pretty much organized everything. And I think that's the most valuable thing when she hopped in. She pretty much was the checker. Like she, she made sure, because she's right now she's front office, and I'm back office, so I'm in charge of production. And she's in charge of customer service and meeting with the clients. So she gives us the 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 stuff that needs to go out first. And I'm in charge of trying to meet those that de those deadlines. So it was really helpful that she did that. So what happens is whenever we get back from a shoot i'm the one who uploads everything we have a main drive in the office and then i have a separate drive here at the house which is pretty much a duplicate of both because you know having like two two sources i'm very old school i don't cloud anything except for my documents but but files wise it's always duplicate like physical drives so i i upload everything in the office and then I duplicate it here at the house. And then the next day, the the editors start on it. They they organize the footage and um, I, I give them the songs that we're gonna use and then they just start on it. So in the contract, it says, um, I think it says 90 days for a highlight video and six months for a full video for a full feature. But usually it takes about two weeks for a highlight to be done and a month for the, for the full feature. Gotcha. So, and the full feature is just like, what is that like an hour long or something? Um, it really depends on how long their ceremony is because we usually give it sure. a full, yeah. but it's about 30, 30 to 60 minutes long. Okay. Yeah. It just kind of depends on the wedding. I hear you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a great point. I mean, I am a big believer in, uh, under promising and over delivering. So I always tell people four months, you'll have everything in four months. And then I give it to them even at my busiest time At my busiest time. It it's never past three months. And, um, I try to keep it at my busiest time. I, my goal is really to just keep it to two months. Um, and in my, the beginning of the year and end of the year, I mean, people are getting it within, um, a couple weeks. So, um, yeah, super important to just stay on top of that guys. I know, uh, I know there's so many videographers out there that just struggle with 
getting stuff done. Um, man, I always just come back to thinking about this guy who I, I don't really know him very well, but I, I worked with him like one time and I, I have friends who's friend who are friends with him and man, he, he'll take like six months a year, uh, longer sometimes. And it's just, it's so crazy and it's really affected his business. So you want to make sure that you're, you're really, I actually got an email from a client who said, my friend really liked this guy and his work, but he took, you know, over a year to get them their video. And, um, so they didn't want to work with him just because of that. So super important to have the workflow guys and, uh, what any, any other workflow tips, anything that, um, stands out to you that maybe you do differently that, that might help other people. I think the most important thing is never do more than you can chew. Never eat more than you can chew. Is that right? Never yeah. get don't more bite work. Off, than... Don't bite off more than you can chew. There you go. Because <laughs> we, we've done, I've, I, I've actually seen companies who have done 250 weddings, 300 a year, and they had one editor. And it was chaos. Like there's, they were delayed for more than a year. And, and then eventually the company closed because they got like a lot of lawsuits and ran out of money. So workflow wise, just make sure that you can edit. If, especially if you're by yourself, just try to gauge what you can do and stick to that because yeah, it's so tempting whenever you have like someone, okay, uh, we we're willing to pay this much just so you're the videographer. And what you do is you take that and then the one that you already booked, you're going to send someone else. So you have two, but if you can't edit, it's just, if you can't, if you don't have a good workflow and you have so much stuff on your plate, it's just going to be, it's going to bite you back. It's I, I'm telling you. So like with, with us, we used to do a hundred weddings a year and since the editors are there 24 seven, of course they're going to get burnt out. So which happened? Like they, they got tired. They didn't stop editing, but you could see like the, the edits were being shot out slower than usual. It's going to, it's being delayed and it's not as good anymore. So good thing for us, since there's a lot of us in the company, a video doesn't go through just one person. It goes through, it goes through three or four, like three or four people watch it. And we're like, okay, that's good to go. So it's always like, there's a lot of eyeballs watching it because we're trying to do quality control. There's no way, at least for me, I won't trust myself to shoot. Cause everything for me, whatever I do and create, I'm like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. But then I show it to my wife. She's like, they're not going to understand that. You know, it, it's too, it's too jarring or the transitions are so abrupt, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's important to have workflow wise, make sure that you can handle the amount of work that you have and make sure that there's a lot of eyeballs watching their video. You could ask friends to watch it, or you could ask your wife or your girlfriend to watch it. But as long as there's someone with 
who doesn't have a filmmaker's eye to watch it because yeah you have a message but is it going to translate into the real world when people start watching it it's really important to have someone look for it so uh, that's my tip is always just make sure that someone else is watching it and don't don't do 100 weddings a year yeah you know that's a that's a good that's good advice just for me in terms of um, having other people watch your videos. Cause my wife used to watch them all the time and now I don't force her to watch them anymore. I don't think she's <laughs> seen like the last 10 at least that I've done. Uh, yeah. so it, yeah, it, that's a good point. Cause I mean, you can get so into what you're doing and your vision for it and how you do things that you, you start maybe to miss things or neglect how other people feel about it. Right. Um, yeah. And your most likely your couples aren't, you know, they they don't have the same kind of brain as you in terms of how they look at their video. So yep. your couples are going to see your video much like your friends or your family who don't really watch a lot of wedding videos. Um, that's how they're going to view it. So it's, it's good to get those opinions. That's, that's great yeah. advice, man. And I, I really need to, uh, I need to step that up for myself because I, I haven't really been doing that as much anymore. Thank you. You know, I I actually, I remember, I think it was Dave Jackson's podcast, The School of Podcasting. He was interviewing someone, or was it Pat Flynn? I don't remember, but it, it really hit me. This guy, he said, the only thing you need to do is be better than the person who hired you to do the job. You don't have to be better you don't have to be the spielberg of wedding videography all you have to do is be better than this person who hired you so that's key to making all of this like getting customer satisfaction reviews or getting more work from referrals because not everyone has the same eye as you so if you have someone to look at it from like a regular person's point of view and they cry that's it. You're done. So, Cause most of us like wedding videographers and people in the creative industry, we're so hard on our, ourselves. Like, is this going to be the next thing? Is this going to be like the, am I going to be a pioneer of this kind of transition or whatever, mm, yeah. you know, but for wedding videos, you just have to pull on heartstrings and make sure that you hit the right notes, you know, so yeah. yeah, just be better than the person who hired you. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I saw a quote the other day cause I used to like pride myself on being a perfectionist and in some ways I, I still do, but I don't think that I'm, I'm definitely don't think I'm perfect. Um, I think I'm less perfect than I ever have been. And I saw this quote that said, uh, done is better than perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, of course my, I immediately went to, well, done perfect is better than done. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever win my own, uh, my, my battle within my mind of perfection versus just getting stuff done. And, you know, knowing that your clients are, as long as you're doing a good job, it doesn't, not everything has to be like you said, you're not, you don't have to be the next Spielberg or whatever. You just got to yeah. get stuff done and, and, uh, you know, and I will say this for people that want to be the next Spielberg or want to, um, 
you basically want to be the best because some people have that goal. I don't particularly have the goal of being the best. Um, I mean, I want to be great, but I don't need, I don't have that, like that, that desire, right? Like some people do. But I think if you do have that desire, still, the only way you're going to get to being the best is finishing projects, right? And just doing them over and over and over and over and over and over. Like literally, you know, the old saying of practice makes perfect. If you want to be perfect, then you got to practice. And if you're spending six months on one video, you're not practicing. You think you're practicing, but you're not. You got to move on to the next one and the next one and the next one. And as you do that, only then are you going to grow and see like, okay, you know, next time I'll do this better. Next time I'll, I'll, I'm going to try this next time. But if you're never getting to that next time, cause you're just so obsessed with that one video, um, that that's a problem. You're, you're never gonna, you're never going to be as perfect as you want to be. Um, yeah. I so think the key, yeah, go oh, ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I, I think the key is, I think the key is consistency. If you want to be great, you have to be consistent because it's kind of like I play basketball. So it's I'll do a basketball analysis. So it's kind of like playing basketball, right? You can't just have one great game for people to say, "Oh my God, he's the best." You can't you can't do that. You have to leave a legacy, like in a span of years or months, just consistently. That's why at the end of a season they award an MVP because he's consistently just playing great games. So you can't be great and just do one game. That that's that's not gonna work for you. So yeah, just consistency is basically the the most important thing when it comes to when it comes to leaving a legacy and being being like an expert in this. Yeah, that should be everybody's goal. Like how consist how how can I consistently put out good videos? That's the question people should be asking themselves. And what is it going to take for me to every time I go out and shoot a wedding and turn around and deliver this product to the client, you know, that, that it needs to be good every time. Does it need to be perfect? No, but it needs to be good. And how are you going to get there? That's, I think, excuse me. I think that's what people need to uh, be paying a little bit more attention to. Yeah. Um, I, I, sorry, I, I just remembered because um, whenever we have uh, meetings at the office about editing and post-production, we always tell them if it's 90% done, it's done. That's it. Like, don't stress out too much with the 10% because, you know, it, it which makes sense because 90% is when it comes to like these things, like wedding videos, it's, if it's 90% done, it's pretty much done because all you need to do is edit to the music and put together your live stuff and that's it. So don't stress out too much because you're right. As long as you start on something and you finish it, then that's going to be a great, (laughs) that's going to be a great start to like improving your work and being consistent. Absolutely. Well, you, you said something in our last, excuse me, man, I got a, I've got this cold that I'm getting over. My son brought home, you know, one of those daycare colds. So, I shot, I shot, uh, two weddings over the weekend back to back with this cold and I'm, I'm almost over it, but it's like, it's still so annoying. And every time I talk, it's like trying to talk through, uh, 
I don't know, a desert or something. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to give you one tip. I don't know if you've done it before. I haven't been sick. Knock on wood. I haven't been sick in like five years. Every time I feel that there's a cold coming or I feel like the flu is coming. All I do is I take a shot of, um, Bragg's organic apple cider vinegar. Oh, yeah. And it, wow. It's like adrenaline. Like if you feel like your throat is itchy, I just do that and I'm good. Like it doesn't, it doesn't go through. Like I'm, I'm not sick anymore. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm going to, I have heard of some positive side effects of, of that apple cider vinegar. The only thing I don't like about it is it tastes terrible. So I guess you well, kind of I'm gotta... going to give you a description of what it smells like because the taste <laughs> is kind of like pretty much smell. It smells like a, a four day old sock. Oh man. Now if that <laughs> yeah. doesn't make people want to uh, take your advice. I don't know yeah. what will. Hey, um, but if you're into socks. <laughs> yeah. If you've got a sock fetish, we've got the, uh, <laughs> the drink for you. Yeah. Uh, so, you said something in our last call that I thought was great and I wanted you to kind of reiterate it and I'm going to try to lead you to say what you say, said before, but I don't know if it'll work, but we'll give it a shot. Uh, you, uh, you said so I, we were talking and somehow you brought up attracting the clients that you want to work with. Uh, what are, what are the things that you do that attract the clients that you want to work with? Okay. And maybe define who those clients are just so people don't think that you're you're serving like the poor and underprivileged community or, or something like that. Okay. So my clients are the greatest clients in the world. <laughs> because they're they're chill, they're so in love and they don't care what the video's gonna look like as long as we get the important moments like it, that that's how our clients are they trust us they're in love and they just want to have fun like it's not a task to them to do something extra because there's video okay so that's pretty much our client base yeah and i'll that's say the, i can client. vouch for you man those are the best clients and those are the videos that always turn out the best. And I wish yeah. I wish clients understood that. Like I get some clients that aren't really like that sometimes. And I, I have a decent amount that are. Uh, but man, the clients that are just let go and are like, hey, we trust you. We know you'll do a good job. Like those videos always turn out the best. Oh, yeah. Because I, I think it's because you don't feel the pressure of making something for them because they give you everything. Like, I, yeah. I don't need to tell them, okay, I need you guys to smile and look at each other because that's all they do is just stare at each other's eyes and smile and talk and kiss. We don't even have to tell them anything. I, I mean, we, we get like a, a handful of couples, like maybe grooms who are shy. But at the end of the day, the video turns up really good like these shy grooms once they do their vows they cry and i'm like i got this perfect so that's 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 key is to have people not care about not care about 
not care too much about the video because we're I always tell people who ask for advice from me I always tell them you know we're, we're coverage first we're not we're not filmmakers we're video coverage that's why it's called videography so we have to cover everything first like make sure that you get the father and daughter first look or you get the first dance you get all the emotions like people crying and stuff like that and then you turn it into a cinematic piece like it may be the way you edit it or the way you shot the romantics or as long as you cover first that's 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 i think that's key is to know that wait the the reason why they're hiring me is because they want to see the mom cry when she first sees the bride walking down the aisle or something you know so i think that's the important part that people need to know but yeah. with, when it comes to when it comes to attracting the clients for me um I think the most important part is just be yourself when it comes to working, when it comes to posting on social media, when it comes to networking with other people. Because if not, if you're not being yourself, people will automatically, uh, I mean, instantly, they're going to know that you're fake. So just be yourself and you're going to eventually attract everyone that you want to attract, right? So, so whenever we, for our client base, the first thing I do is whenever I post on social media, instead of me posting like, hey, there's this wedding video we just did. Maybe you guys want to watch strangers get married. I don't want to do that. So I post me and my wife eating or shopping or whatever, doing whatever. Because that's what that's the couples I want to attract, like people who like to eat and watch Netflix the whole day or something. Yeah. And then when it comes to the thing about social media is not only do you do couples see what you're doing, but the vendors also see what you're doing and you attract the vendors that are the same wavelength as you. Like we have a bunch of wedding planners and wedding photographer friends that we love so much because not only do they give us these couples that have the same same wavelength as them but they're just friends that we hang out with after after like a week of working you know so you build a network that are like-minded individuals so because that's who they attract as well and so it's kind of like reciprocity and you know just being yourself goes a long way so th that's that's pretty much how we how we get our couples we be ourselves we attract the people who are the same and they attract the people who are the same and they refer us to the people that they attract that's it that's all you got to do you don't have to pay sponsorship on instagram or facebook i we have done that before i spent so much money and i'm like nothing is coming back like the only people who like my video are other videographers which i pr appreciate but it doesn't really give me work <laughs> so so yeah just just be yourself and you'll be fine yeah yeah no i that's great advice man
so we're getting close to being done here because I know we're we've been it's almost been an hour if you can believe that. Uh, oh man, yeah, Ooh. time time flies when you're uh, recording the podcast. So, um, <laughs> I got one more question for you, and then we can talk about how people can get in touch with you and where they can find you online and all that stuff. Uh, okay. If you let's say you're let's pretend uh, you're company is wiped out in a tsunami right now everybody's okay uh but you've lost all your well not everybody is okay you've lost all your editors and your shooters and okay. your wife uh i'll spare your wife in this hypothetical just because this seems pretty messed up uh <laughs> to not do that but <laughs> let's say let's say basically you you don't have any equipment you have nothing you got to start all over again uh what tell me kind of walk me through the first few things you're going to do to start building your business back up ooh that's a really good question okay um build my business back up okay. you have you have uh you have a Canon 5D Mark 3 oh i have i have equipment you have a camera okay so that's good. Good thing I have a camera. Okay. Um, I would look for someone who's hiring to looking for, uh, who's, who's looking for a wedding videographer and I'm going to work for that person first. And then the reason why I want that is because I'm a huge, I'm a huge advocate for working for someone first before you you start your business because that is where you're going to learn your mistakes and you're going to have a mentor instantly because that person probably has more experience than you especially my all my stuff got wiped out so i'm going to work for that person first build my portfolio at least for my experience and then start saving up for equipment and then i'm going to buy a 70 to 200 version two Canon lens. I'm going to sell my 5D Mark III and buy a 5D Mark IV. I'm going to buy a Rode shotgun mic. I'm going to buy a Tascam DR10 for my groom audio. And then I'm going to buy a Manfrotto monopod. And then eventually I'll, I'll buy a Manfrotto tripod too. But that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to work for someone else build experience, build networks. Cause whenever you go on weddings, you're not by yourself. There's always like a planner or a caterer or a DJ, just make friends again. Hopefully they're still alive after the tsunami. <laughs> and, and then, um, save enough money to buy equipment and then build. That's, that's what I'm going to do. Awesome, man. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this episode, but, Go ahead and tell people a uh, lot. If, if people want to get in touch with you, where, where can they find you? I assume you're on uh, some of the social networks and all that kind of stuff. Just throw it out there, whatever whatever the best way for people to get in touch with you is. Cool. Um, you could find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Boffo Video. That's B as in boy, O-F-F-O Video, V-I-D-E-O. And that's also my Twitter handle. And you could go to my website, that's boffovideo.com, 
Or you can email me if you have any questions about anything. It's heypaul, that's H-E-Y-P-A-U-L, at boffovideo.com. And, yeah, hopefully soon I'm going to come up with a mentorship program and workshops. And I'm really thinking about getting into podcasting as well. So hopefully me and Michael can work on something because I'm really excited about this whole potential with podcasting. And yeah, just feel free to ask me questions if you have any, or I'll see you on, on social media, on Facebook groups or whatever. Awesome. Well, don't hang up, but I want to, uh, I want to say goodbye to you on the air and, uh, yeah, man, really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us and, um, share your experience. And I, it's sad cause I have like, 25 more questions for you but uh we'll have to have you back for to answer those <laughs> just let me know when Hey guys, this episode of Wedding Videography School is brought to you by photographers wearing wide brim hats. Uh, photographers wearing wide brim hats is the nation's number one wedding photography company. And for good reason, uh, they are clearly the most creative, most unique uh, individuals out there. And their photography is so creative, I can't even begin to describe how creative it is. That's how creative it is. If you guys are working with photographers who aren't wearing wide brim hats, then you're probably not working with the best photographers out there. So, um, you know, whether you're having a wedding, a birthday party, uh, or you're taking your kids to school, or you're hanging out at home, or going to the bathroom, you know, all things that you want photographed creatively, um, it should be done by photographers wearing wide brim hats. A lot of you guys, I know you're working with photographers who aren't wearing wide brim hats. They might not be wearing hats at all. And um, that's a problem. If they're not wearing a wide brim hat, I don't know what the point of them even picking up a camera is. But when you work with photographers wearing wide brim hats, you know that you're always getting someone who's going to uh, give you the most incredible shots that you could imagine. So for your next event, whether it's a wedding, a birthday party, a family reunion, uh, your mom's pap smear, whatever the event, make sure that you hire photographers wearing wide brim hats um, to get the most creative still images captured, you know, one frame at a time. And that's what, that's what photography is. It's, you know, you hear the click, click, and you know you got one frame. And then you hear another click. Sometimes you hear eight clicks in a row, like click, 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 click. Uh, that, they just got eight pictures. And maybe one of them is good. Probably not. But the photographer wearing a wide brim hat, they are going to call those photos later on and, you know, really, really select the eight or six shots that they got from the entire day. Um, that they stood in front of the videographer to get. And they're going to they're gonna edit those down into something truly magical. Probably, um, probably just two 8x10s that you can put in the living room next to the closet door. 
So give photographers with wide brim hats a call today and book them for your next event.